0: Jess
1: and I'm Tiff and we're your Curious Cousins
0: where we talk about everything cookie and spooky in the state of Oklahoma.
1: Welcome to episode 15 part 2 of the Karen Silkwood case. Welcome,
0: welcome friends. Welcome, welcome. That was weird but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, it's fine,
1: it's fine. We got a heavy case so that's gotta make light where we can
0: yeah true Very so true. we're
1: gonna continue kind of where we left off we don't really have any new business no so not really
0: i can't think of anything no <laughs> except let's see this will come out after thanksgiving
1: yeah it'll come off come off <laughs> it'll, it'll come sure. off. <laughs> when you guys listen it will come off on you um it's the week it, after right yeah it'll come out december 2nd Ooh, which
0: means that next saturday is our
1: philbrook yeah that Festival next day of Lights. exactly Sweet. so we shall have information about that Sweet. if you're out and about that evening mm-hmm. and you see us wandering around Did give you us a know
0: who we are if
1: you know who we are give us a shout
0: come say hello I mean,
1: but don't like scare us or anything
0: we're <laughs> <But> easily startled <laughs> right.
1: Oh my gosh. Let me tell you before we get started mm-hmm. in the rotten part of this case. So this morning I was dead asleep mm-hmm. at five twenty in the morning.
0: Like most sane people. Right, right. Dead <laughs>
1: asleep. And I heard this shattering crash. Ooh. Literally sat straight up in my bed. Ooh. Heart pounding, what was that? Mm -hmm. My husband leaves for work at Mm -hmm. about 5.15-ish.
0: Yeah, it's a gross hour.
1: Yes. So, yeah, it's the grossest hour. (laughs) The grossest hour. (laughs) I'm here for it. Anyways, so I'm like, oh my God, what was that?
0: Yeah, I would have been freaked out.
1: And I'm silent, just sitting there in my bed in the pitch black.
0: Did it wake the boys up? No, at
1: all? no, no. And I guarantee you, if Chris would have been here, he probably would have slept through it too. <laughs> anyway.
0: That's when you smack and be like, hey, I, hey,
1: get I do it all the time. I'm like, do you expect me to get up and protect us all? No. I'm a girl who might be trigger happy. I don't know. Let's not test this theory. So I get up and I'm like, it had to have come from the kitchen because mm-hmm. something shattered on tile. So I go and turn on the kitchen lights. There's nothing on the floor anywhere. I look in the dining room, nothing on the floor. I look in the laundry room, nothing. Maybe it came through my bathroom. Go in there nothing Mm -hmm. go into the other two bathrooms nothing and I was like I am not crazy I heard that
0: yeah oh that freaked me out there's no one
1: else here so I can't you know collaborate my story right all right well I'm awake I might as well get ready now so I get ready and I go about I like to get completely ready for work Mm -hmm. and with lunches made before my kids wake up Well, it's probably just easier. Oh, absolutely. So my kids get up at about seven. They get completely ready. I was like getting my coat or something out of the coat closet and I walk and I see just these brown pieces all over the entranceway of my house Mm. and didn't dawn on me at first 530 in the morning that there's tile there right and i had a giant m on the wall i've had it for years and uh-huh. years probably almost 10 years it had fallen off the wall and just shattered Mm. So, that's what it was. No one was trying to break in. I almost took a picture of it. What a weird thing, though. Right. It was very strange because it's like on the wall and there's all these other things around it. And I don't know how that was the thing that chose.
0: Apparently, Adonis wanted you to get up at (laughs) 5.20 in the morning.
1: (laughs) Blame everything on now. But, yeah, it was... Pretty creepy, and I was gonna get my phone out and take a picture of yeah. it and be like, you know, a true crime podcaster's <laughs> worst nightmare. <laughs> to Wake up with something oh, right. weirdly crashed in their house, but yeah, so well, that to be happened. Woken to me. up
0: like that, it's startling. Oh my
1: gosh, I know it's oh, and then to not be able to find it, and of course, by the time I was in the shower, I was like, did you really hear something? Like maybe yeah, you were it, dreaming. I was
0: gonna say you probably thought you were losing your mind. Oh, exactly.
1: Yeah. Don't worry, right. you I found right. it. I was right. I was right. <laughs> we left off at the point where Karen Silkwood had left mm-hmm. her union meeting on November thirteenth. She had been; she had just recently come back from Los Alamos, New Mexico, where mm-hmm. she was told that she wasn't. Terribly, terribly, I don't know if that's the good word for it. But she was contaminated, but not to the levels that they were super concerned with.
0: I mean, for me, any contamination is not good. Yeah,
1: (laughs) any contamination is too much contamination.
0: Not today, Satan.
1: So she'd expressed some fear for her health at this point. She'd also expressed to a friend that she was, after the union meeting, Mm -hmm. on her way to Oklahoma City to meet with some D.C. union representatives and an author or author, reporter author Mm -hmm. from the New York Times to Mm -hmm. hand over her evidence that records had been falsified and that safety measures had been cut and corners had been cut and things were just not going well at yeah. the kerr factory in Crescent.
0: Well, you know, and I've got to thinking, her being a science person, mm-hmm. she obviously knew the effects or the possible effects of the plutonium. and. <sighs>
1: I don't know that she did because she was being told when she first got a job there that it wasn't dangerous. It didn't cause cancer.
0: I just, well, I think surely after a while, like, she's starting to question.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure.
0: Because...
1: And we'll get there. We'll get to... The conspiracies behind what they think she knew, what they think she should have known, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I just thought her being a science person. But again, like you said. But you also have to think
1: she did not graduate from college with a science degree. She only had a year of college.
0: Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And if
1: you're only in college for a year, like my first year of college, I would have come out with, you know, my first semester of Chem 1 and Biology 1. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so, that's true. So we had talked about at 7:10, Karen leaves the union ma- meeting and takes Highway 74 towards Oklahoma City.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: About 7.13 miles south of Crescent, Karen's car leaves the road and crashes into a concrete culvert. Mm-hmm she does die at the scene or what is suspected when she arrives at the hospital they pronounce her dead on arrival mm-hmm. at seven thirty. a trucker is driving by and discovers the wreck and reports it to the guthrie police ohp arrives a few minutes later and then is followed by an ambulance from guthrie and takes her to logan county hospital where like i said she was pronounced dead on arrival It takes two wreckers to remove her car. At midnight, the OHP officer, he leaves the scene after taking measurements and taking evidence. It is said in one source that there were papers Mm -hmm. flying all over the place or near the site of the crash. And he claims that he picked all the papers up. Mm -hmm. assuming they were hers Mm -hmm. and put them in the car okay it is then stated the next time that he sees the vehicle Mm -hmm. those papers are no longer there
0: huh the next time he sees it so
1: we'll get into that hold it hold it inside okay (laughs) you just like to jump ahead
0: i'm sorry (laughs) can't help it.
1: So the OHP officer leaves around midnight, but shortly after he arrives home, the AEC calls him. The highway patrolman? mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Calls, and they want to examine the car. Fagan, Officer Fagan, he's the OHP officer, he meets the AEC, or who he believes to be them, Mm -hmm. because he's never told for sure, like, Mm -hmm. who these people are going to be. So he meets with them at the garage that had taken her car from the wrecker.
0: Okay.
1: The men look through the car. They open her purse. They find two cigarettes, one pill and half a pill capsule. The cigarettes later on were discovered to be weed, and the pill was a quaalude. After they saw that, they locked the car, or the OHP officer locked the car and left it at the garage. Okay. On November 14th in the morning, OHP... The same officer, he returns to the scene to get gather some more evidence, take some more measurements. He returns to the car, the garage in the car and finds a cigarette roller and a letter on how to roll grass. That was missed from the night before.
0: So it was in the car in mm-hmm. her purse?
1: It was somewhere in the car. Somewhere it doesn't car. specify where.
0: That seems interesting. So
1: all personal belongings that he finds in the car at the time, he places into an oil case and seals them. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% sure what an oil case is. Mm -hmm. It must be some sort of evidence- Box yeah, or case.
0: Kind
1: of, yeah. OHP then at this time suggests that Karen fell asleep at the wheel and left the road, that there is no evidence of another car that is involved. And that's their reporting on okay. the crash.
0: Based off what they just saw, mm-hmm. not based off the even, evidence an autopsy that, or anything no. like that. Okay. No.
1: <laughs> so Kermagee officials claimed the car and Karen's things. They claim them. And this includes the notebook that she had on her, but no folder.
0: That the officer, or not officer, but the highway patrolman said he saw. He saw, he gathered
1: himself. He gathered and, papers and put them back in the car. So they could those have papers.
0: They could have potentially come from poten- maybe a folder.
1: Yes, those papers were never seen again. Mm-hmm. The folder that witnesses said they saw her leave with, mm-hmm. along with the notebook. The notebook was found. Right. The papers, the folder were never found.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: All right. These things are released to her boyfriend Okay. as well. On November 15th, an accident report is filed. Witnesses claimed she shouldn't have been driving. So the witnesses at the union meeting, two of them did offer to give her a ride. They claimed that she should not have been driving. They thought that she was emotionally distressed, nervous about both the interview coming up, what she was turning in Mm -hmm. to these officials from D.C. and the New York Times on top of the fact that her health was out of whack. Right. But she still drove. The accident report did say that they believed her to be under the influence of drugs. An autopsy showed that Karen had 0.35 milligrams of Quaaludes and a small amount of alcohol in her system. The normal levels of Quaalude are 0.20 to 0.30 milligrams. So she was over the normal amount. However, her attorney, again, that followed, that was the attorney for her estate after her death, believed that because of Karen's recreational use of quaaludes, she could have built up an immunity, and this probably would not have impaired her ability to drive, oh, especially if she had been using them for years. Right. And it was said that when she was in that first car wreck, mm-hmm. that she did get prescribed the quaaludes because of some minor injuries. hmm But again, it's one of those things that I still question and wonder that if she had this plutonium contamination, was it affecting her sleep? Which I don't know. I don't know what plutonium poisoning does to you.
0: Right. I mean, it's uh, an interesting theory or thought. I mean, I don't know what you want to call it.
1: So this accident report comes out in the OCAW. Mm -hmm. That's the big international union. They don't agree with OHP's findings. So they decide to conduct their own independent investigation. And the accident is reconstructed. Hmm. On November 16th, experts from Dallas examine the car from the boyfriend. So they go, he has the car in his possession now. They meticulously examine the car to the point where they put it up on blocks and examine even the undercarriage of it.
0: I think it's interesting that you said earlier it took two wreckers to pull the car out. Or was that the... That was the first one. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Sorry.
1: So they I'm did... got getting my accidents mixed up. <laughs> they did find a small dent that was found in the left rear bumper and a dent in the left rear fender near the bumper dent. Now remember, all the damage from the previous accident was all on the right side. Right. Where did these left side dents come from? Hmm... The steering wheel was also bent in from the side. Now, I don't know if that was normal for car steering wheels in the 1970s for them to bend. I.
0: It's hard to imagine a steering wheel bending. Especially
1: today. Right. Today's steering wheel's bending. I don't think they do. Maybe they do. I don't know. I've never been in an accident that would warrant Right, we're knocking on ones right now. That would warrant a steering wheel being bent. So, but anyways, um, he noticed that the steering wheel was bent from the side. And they're saying that Karen fell asleep at the wheel. This would have caused the steering wheel to bend from the top because she would have been slumped over the top of it. But if it's bent from the side, that indicates that she was gripping it. How
0: fragile are these things? I don't know. That just seems weird to me.
1: So if she's gripping it, she's wide awake. Right at this point. It just indicates that she was not asleep at the time. So they examined the scene of the accident and they say that the car crossed the opposite side of the shoulder Mm -hmm. and when a person falls asleep, they tend to drift to the right. Mm -hmm. This one is, she drifted all the way to the left. Mm -hmm. Hmm. As per the measurements, the car was already out of control before it left the road and was was not drifting, not while it was drifting. Weird. By November 18th, the evidence points to the car being hit from behind. This information was released to the New York Times, and for lack of a better term, yeah, all hell breaks loose. Kerr McGee hires the Pinkerton Detective Agency uh-huh. to investigate this private investigation. Mm, okay. Now, the world knows of the controversies of Karen Silkwood's death. Her name becomes global at this point. Mm-hmm. Every news station, news outlet, radio, TV are picking up on this story. And the state of Oklahoma is like, Yeah. Like they're just freaking out, especially Kerr McGee, because that was such a well known company. Right. November 21st, the state medical examiner releases the official autopsy, Mm -hmm. which agrees with OHP. It was an accident caused by being under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Hmm. A private investigation asks for the private investigation. Mm that the ocaw funded they ask for a second opinion because the second opinion said that the private investigators the original the first ones mm-hmm. that their findings were possible they could not def- definitively conclude that that was what happened but they definitely said that what they found was plausible was a, was an option could have happened
0: huh There's no
1: proof either way because obviously there was no witnesses, Mm -hmm. but it could have happened. So on December 15th, I'm going to read again from page 173 of Oklahoma's Most Notorious Cases. It says, On December 15th, Pipkin, this was the Dallas investigator, private investigator,
0: That's a funny issued name. his
1: written a report in which he concluded, based on all of the evidence present, along with the conclusions drawn by Dr. Harris, this was the second opinion mm-hmm. guy. He was from the University of Oklahoma mm-hmm. and had a lot more credentials than this Pipkin guy.
0: Pipkin. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it is my
1: opinion that there is enough circumstantial evidence present to indicate that that V1, Silkwood's car, was struck from the rear by an unknown vehicle, causing it to go out of control due to either the initial impact or the combined impact and driver overreaction. Pipkin's opinion was theoretically possible, but there was no evidence to identify who might have caused the accident, even if he was right. His opinion was also based in part on the existence of the dents in the rear bumper and fender, which could have been caused when the car was being towed from the ditch, or sometime in the three days between the accident and Pipkin's examination. Hmm. All right? Interesting. So. I don't know. I don't know. At this point,
0: it just seems suspicious to me. Yes. Yeah. And even if Kurt McGee had nothing to do with it, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's more to it than we know. I think so. I mean, I feel like that's obvious, but yeah.
1: So much media coverage has now befallen Mm -hmm. Kerr McGee, the state of Oklahoma, the Silkwood family. Mm -hmm. By January 11th of 1975, OHP reinvestigates the crash. Because there's enough question now that maybe they missed something. Right, okay. However, their investigation confirms their previous findings. That she, it was an accident. She fell asleep at the wheel, lost control of the car, hit the culvert. Hmm. So the story becomes international. It's all over TV and newspapers, nationwide radios. Even news outlets in England and France are picking up on it. Oh,
0: wow. That far?
1: Yeah. Kermagee was shocked by the public interest in it. Oh, I bet. The nation is starting to view Kermagee as the bad guys. Mm -hmm. And this is because the New York Times essentially has painted them this way. Mm -hmm. It's, you know. Right. mm I don't know. Oklahoma, on the other hand, still views Kermagee as a great company. There are numerous investigations that start up, mainly through the FBI and the Justice Department, Mm -hmm. because they don't believe that Karen, or they are afraid that Karen may have not had her rights followed or allowed to have her rights, Mm -hmm. especially when it came to her health issues. Mm. So at this point, numerous investigations are starting up mainly with the FBI and the Justice Department to ensure that Karen's rights were followed concerning her health and whatever was going on with Kermit McGee. So Kermit Ghee does decide at this time that it's going to launch its own investigation.
0: Hmm. And so I'm going to read
1: again. Well, they kind of have to, I think, well, at this point. I mean,
0: yeah, I, I,
1: I just, I think they should have done it in the beginning anyway. Yes, this is all happening in 1975. Well, by December 18th, 1975, The company closed the plant as a result of two new contamination incidents, both of which the company described as, quote, contrived. (laughs) Pending the reopening of the plant, Kerr-McGee announced that employees wishing to return to work would have to take a polygraph test to determine if they had been involved in any sabotage or illegal activities At the facility.
0: Sounds like they just wanted to know if you ratted them out.
1: Right. And it doesn't sound good for them at that point anyway. Let's start talking about Karen's family. Okay. I mentioned before that she left behind a boyfriend. And Mm -hmm. I didn't mention it before, but it was mentioned in a couple of other sources that prior, that the moment that they returned from Los Alamos from their first testing, Mm -hmm. the boyfriend skips town. And there is some conspiracy Yeah, that he was working, because he did work for Kermagee, mm-hmm. that he could possibly have been contaminating her. He could have possibly been spiking things, hmm. turning things in on her, because he was mysteriously gone yeah. until the day of the crash. The day of the crash, he mysteriously shows back up and gets custody of the car, or the day after the crash or something
0: that is interesting
1: so something to think about i don't know I don't know if that's true or not, but it was something that was thrown out there. Her family comes in. They did know that Karen was set to meet with the New York Times reporter. The Justice Department later determines that this being asleep at the will Mm -hmm. was inconclusive and that her car had remained on the shoulder for a long distance. Like she rode on the shoulder for a long time. And you'd have to think if you fall asleep at the will and you're hitting the shoulder... Mm -hmm. that would, I would think, would jolt you awake. I mean, I don't know that they had the rumble strips in the 70s like we do now, but it's probably, you know.
0: It's probably not as smooth.
1: No, I would think so. Like, she had been prevented. Like, they, the Justice Department kind of thought that maybe she had been prevented from re-entering the road. Mm -hmm. Maybe she had been pushed. Maybe there was a car that wouldn't Mm -hmm. allow her room to get back onto the road. Just something other to think about. Uh, Those odd dents to her fender and dents that could not have happened Mm -hmm. with a head-on collision. Yeah. Why were there dents in the back of her car?
0: Right.
1: Now... Are they
0: sure? I mean, well, then you have to think, well, were they there?
1: No, her family does not. Her family says that there were dents on the right side from her previous accident. But there were no dents on the left side. Now, some people... Even I think some of the record these- drivers said that those dents could have been caused when they were pulling her car out. Yeah. But okay. well, there's no guarantee, nobody 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 knows. nobody reported on that. There are documents of evidence of negligence that were missing. Like I said, all those documents were missing. Mm-hmm. All of her proof that McGee wasn't um caring for their employees all that stuff was missing and her family was like where's all that stuff like her family knew that she was doing this right they knew that she was an activist that she was involved in this and they wanted to know where all this stuff was Mm -hmm. especially when there were people at that union meeting claiming that she had it on her right that they saw her get in the car with it yeah where'd it go right but was she really murdered that's the question that we'll probably know the answer to. There's the conspiracy or the thought that maybe someone was just meant to scare her.
0: And it went too far. And it went
1: too far, which could happen. Yeah. Could happen. I mean, that's very plausible. Yeah. I mean, it's just as plausible in my mind to think that that happened. I think that someone meaning to scare her is as plausible as her falling asleep at the wheel. That's true. Yeah. Maybe they did take it too far, or even th- in a thought that maybe she was run off the road mm-hmm. on accident, mm-hmm. and maybe someone didn't know she hit the culvert, or maybe they did and they got scared, you know, or maybe she really did fall asleep at the wheel. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: I uh, it's interesting because if she, I I don't know what kind of side effects she would have from being exposed to plutonium as much as she was. But I would have to think it would be exhausting, not just physically, but mentally. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, she's probably paranoid. Well,
1: anyway. it's interesting that you said that because her family mentions that, yes, she was a user of prescription tranquilizers and those quaaludes, but she suffered from depression a lot. Mm-hmm. And she was under constant physical and mental stress at the time of work because, first off, they were being overworked right? because they weren't getting days off. And she felt that they were falsifying these safety things like she, when she knows that she would fail rods, mm-hmm. but then they would pass magically. Right. And so that's got to be stressful because in the back oh, yeah. of your mind, you're going to be like, these are unsafe. Right. And now she's getting contaminated every single day and the numbers are off the chart and then they're not off the chart. And her body, when they go to do the autopsy, I didn't mention this before, but because... hmm she had been exposed to plutonium. Mm-hmm. They, just the regular medical examiner, couldn't examine her, wouldn't examine her. I mean, would you go touch someone knowing that no. they had plutonium poisoning? No. So her body had to be, they had to wait for people or physicians, autopsy physicians or uh, medical examiners who could handle this plutonium ex- exposure yeah. and safely be able to autopsy her body. It had to happen a few days later.
0: That's interesting.
1: And it was said that when her body was examined, uh-huh. that her levels of plutonium exposure, exposure were very high.
0: Hmm. Oh, the numbers
1: yeah. aren't matching up. No.
0: It just, none of it makes sense. Yeah.
1: It is suspected that Kerr-McGee may have wanted to get rid of her, mm-hmm. which was why they arranged for the extensive medical testing to be done on her in the coming days. Because mm-hmm. now they have all this paperwork saying, well, all we d- we were doing our job. Right. We were doing our job. They went so far as to prevent her from working with the plutonium. To kind of save themselves. Right. In this time period, Kermit McGee had had 75, quote, minor violations by federal regulators. Contamination was a reoccurring problem at the plant,
0: Mm. period.
1: It was a reoccurring problem. Right. I'm going to tell you right now, if it wasn't Karen Silkwood, it probably would have been someone else.
0: Well, yeah. And
1: how many people right now are suffering the effects from right. that. There's probably lots of them.
0: Oh, yeah. I, there's gotta so, be. So
1: the training was inadequate. Radiation monitoring was lax. Security was lax. The uranium had simply been known to go home with in workers' pockets to yeah. be found with their kids. The oh, good grief. In late 19, 1976, the Silkwood family files a civil suit against Kerr McGee. Okay. It is the conspiracy and negligence. Mm-hmm. And 100%, I think they had every right to do that. Mm-hmm. Because even if you look at this as potentially Karen poisoning herself, let's mm-hmm. say, still, she was able to get that plutonium out of the plant, which she should have never been able to get out of the plant in the first place. Right? She was able to somehow contaminate herself while you would think under surveillance. Mm-hmm. And she, you know... So there was somewhere there was a hiccup in the line. Yes. On May 18th of 1979, a federal trial awards the Silkwood family $10.5 million. Wow. The suit was filed in 76, though. Mm -hmm. So this went on. This was one of the longest trials in Oklahoma history up into this point. Wow. The decision was reversed by an appeals court. Oh, my goodness. However... The U.S. Supreme Court then rules in the Silkwood in their favor. Yeah. There was a retrial, though, in 1986 because Kermagee did not want to pay $10 million.
0: Of course not.
1: In fact, before then, they got away with simply paying $5,000 to make up for all of the things they had taken out of her apartment that had been contaminated five thousand five thousand dollars which i realized it was the 70s things were cheaper but still the retrial in 1986 they went into court and they ended up settling out for 1.38 million mm-hmm. so significant wow. I
0: hope that went to her children.
1: Yeah. In 1983, Hollywood produces the movie Silkwood starring Meryl Streep. It turns Karen into a sort of martyr. Hmm. Is she 100%?
0: Well, she obviously wasn't 100% innocent. No. I mean, because if she's smoking weed and I I don't want to say abusing her quaaludes because we don't know, you know, what her situation was. But I can't imagine if you're under any kind of influence, you shouldn't be driving regardless. You know no. what I mean? No. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm victim, victim shaming. But it's like, there's just so many aspects of this case that we don't know mm-hmm. to, to get a like conclusion on, yeah. on anything. Exactly. It's,
1: I don't know. This movie turns Karen kind of into a martyr at this point. Mm-hmm. Her name is Household. Now, in 1985, the New York Times article reported that the fuel rods Karen had warned about worked normally in a reactor in Hanford, Washington. However, within weeks, Kerr-McGee was forced to close the Gore, Oklahoma, uranium plant due to an accident where one person died and dozens were injured. Kerr-McGee, at this point, leaves the nuclear power industry. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Since 1977, the Cimarron facility has been decommissioning or being cleaned up. Mm. 1977. Wow. Oh, don't worry. This gets disgustingly angry. It covers roughly 840 acres
0: Uh
1: and it was supposed to be overseen by the nuclear regulatory commission Uh but as of 2006 when kermigee merges with another energy company nothing's really been done with this
0: that was 16 years ago
1: yeah in 2009 the company overseeing the cleanup went bankrupt So a trust has assumed the responsibility Uh, and some progress has been made to return the land to normal.
0: Oh, my gosh. I don't even know what to say to
1: that. (laughs) Right. That for 20 years, it was just sitting there. Yeah. And we're talking about levels of plutonium that aren't Chernobyl levels, Mm -hmm. but they're still not good. Right. Right. As of the latest findings, it had removed roughly 500,000 cubic feet of contaminated soil. However, the groundwater has been contaminated, including with um, uranium nitrate and fluoride. And as of 2018, they considered pumping out and treating the groundwater, but that wasn't pumping gonna... it
0: out to where.
1: That's a good question. I don't know where would you. I don't know where you would put it. I don't know. How much water is like where? I don't know. That's a good question. I have no idea. The cleanup of this area is proposed to end by 2032. Jeez, we're still ten years away. This happened in 1977 when they closed it oh wow and it won't be done being cleaned up until 2032 That so is so
0: crazy that's it's, just
1: so crazy it's just it's insane it's crazy and there's so many questions that honestly when i look at it i think that i, I don't know i can't tell you was she murdered there's I, a part of me that the being scared yes buy another car that f- that is the most
0: I think you're on to something with it just seems more right I guess mm-hmm. that someone trying to scare her mm-hmm. and maybe it, it had gone too far yeah. and whether that was you know they maybe were just trying to rear end her a mm-hmm. little bit mm-hmm. give her a little scare and then it just completely backfired and
1: and it would go along with the thought that she, I don't know if she was purposely contaminating herself. That's a brave move. In my mind, that's a brave move. You don't know what it's going to do. But when you think about it, maybe someone else was trying to scare her enough that maybe she would quit or she would leave and they contaminated her or contaminate because what I don't get is how did the contamination get on the inside of her glove
0: right when there's no holes or exactly anything.
1: that is what's questionable because yeah. in my mind she clearly probably isn't the only worker who worked in that maybe they worked in shifts so someone else was also were they using that box too or was just that box assigned to her and if someone else was using it was weren't wouldn't those people be just as contaminated as her?
0: Right. I yeah. just,
1: it's hard for me to imagine. But also, if you think about it, let's go back to that bologna sandwich.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's contaminated. Right. Did she eat it? Did yeah. she eat it? Yeah. The only way, if it is in her urine, mm-hmm. if it is in her feces, mm-hmm. she had to have eaten it, right? I, I, That would make sense. She had to to have eaten it. And if she ate it, first off, please let me know if you washed your hands. I don't know. I just, but if she ate it, did she know she was contaminated? I mean, here's the deal. If she spilt her urine on her hands and she cleaned it up and she didn't wash her hands Mm -hmm. and then she made her sandwich Mm -hmm. and then she ate it, all of us COVID kitties Mm -hmm. know that there are a bazillion germs mm-hmm. that are on her hand that she literally just put into her body right. including plutonium yeah that would be in my mind accidental
0: yes especially Gross, if but accidental yes, yes. if
1: <laughs> yes if you go back to the claims that these people were inadequately trained mm-hmm. even though she had a strong science background not really a background An interest. Right. Was she 100% aware of what this plutonium could potentially do to her?
0: That's true. Well, and I think one thing that I keep coming back to is the paperwork that was in the folder in the car. And I just think it's odd that OHP, you know, I don't want to say it closes out his case, but he finishes his report or whatever he did. Goes home to, you know, relax, get just get off shift. And then he gets a call from these people that are like, oh, hey, we're from wherever we are, and we need to compensate the car. I just kind of feel like at that point it was late, Mm -hmm. and it could have waited till the next day.
1: I don't know. Maybe he did go the next day. Maybe he went a few hours later. I don't know if he immediately went. Well, it just... uh...
0: It just still seems suspicious to me. Yeah. And the fact that he picked up these
1: papers... Here's my question. Why would OHP release the car to Kerr McGee before they released it to her family?
0: I don't know. That's a great question. Because
1: here's my thing. If I were to get into a car accident, Mm -hmm. it's not like... OEA, which is the Oklahoma Education Association, is going to come claim my car before my husband right. gets to claim my car. Before right. my even my father could come and claim my car. Right. And, again, we're looking at it through the lens of 2022 right. and not 1974. Well,
0: I'm thinking how easy, like, if those papers were in the car when they went to go, you know, dig through her purse and mm-hmm. found whatever it was that they were looking for in that sense – I don't see it being that difficult to slip some papers into a Heidi place. You know, I mean, did you have an overcoat
1: on? It was November. You probably had a coat on. I
0: mean, I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying I could. But we're not saying that's not
1: what happened. You know what I mean? Exactly. I don't know. That's. that's always been a big a big thing in this case, is where did all her evidence go? Yeah, yeah. Because she left around 7.10 p.m. by 7.30, she's dead. Right. She was seen leaving with those folders. It is believed she made no other stops. No one ever saw her stop anywhere else. And in fact, if you drove from where she was to where she died, the timing worked out. Yeah. Hmm. So...
0: I don't know, just so many questions. And right. We'll and we'll never it's, have that answer. A lot of the questions,
1: like how many people knew who she was meeting with? Mm-hmm. How many people, you know, you don't know. Money talks. Money, you yeah. know, money shuts people up. Right. And I can definitely see well, that you do this, that, and this. You uh-huh. And we pay you X amount of dollars, get you out of town for a few days. And you'll be fine.
0: Well, and the fact that she was making a stink about certain aspects of the workplace.
1: And that she was a woman. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to say it. She's a woman. She was a woman in a man's world. And she was, she was, she was bringing, I
0: mean, they were obviously falsifying some kind of documents. If she was not approving certain plutonium rods to go through wherever, you know, whatever the process is. And then all of a sudden, they're showing up in certain places. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. The whole thing is fishy. And I I don't know. I just don't know.
1: It is. And I will say again that in this state, Kerr-McGee is held in very high regard. Most all of their former, former employees will tell you that they were a great company to work for. And I, I didn't work for them. My family did not work for them. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Anybody so who I don't know anything them. about
1: them. I remember there being Kerr McGee stations. Um, I just remember they just stopped ha- showing up one day. I didn't know that they were bought out in two thousand and six. Mm-hmm. I. It's. It's one of those, it's, it's a name that we know in Oklahoma, but. Well,
0: you know, honestly, I was wondering if it's more of like an Oklahoma City area thing because I don't ever remember hearing about Kerr McGee. Oh,
1: maybe it was. But I mean. I mean their big headquarters was in Oklahoma, like downtown Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and the Kerr from Kerr went to Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he had a dorm room named after him. So, and I know McGee was a big geologist, and I'm not sure if he went to Oklahoma State or not. He may have, because since he has a geology degree, and I don't know if the University of Oklahoma has geology or not. No idea. So, you know, they both have huge ties Mm -hmm. to the state of Oklahoma. Yeah. So... It's interesting. It's just an interesting case. It's one of those cases that there's a part of me that's like, it's more simple than it probably, than we think it is. Right. But on the same token, I think it's much deeper. Right. Than we're ever going to know.
0: Right. I agree.
1: And so it's just kind of one of those cases that, I don't know. It's one of those very infamous true crime cases in Oklahoma. Well, sits job up well there, done. you know, sits up there with Machine Gun Kelly and yeah. the Girl Scout murders and Sirloin Stockade and Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, up there with those.
0: Well, I thought you did a good job. Coming, Thanks. Because there was, I mean, I kind of knew mm-hmm. the story, but like I said, I didn't. I, I think I'm. My dad's out of town right now, but I think when he gets back, well, even my mom. I might ask if they remember anything about it because I'd be interested. To my know. parents
1: were both in high school when it happened. My dad had mentioned that there was a big controversy over mm-hmm. it, and that's all he really said. I mean, he was in high school when it right. happened, so he could have probably well, cared my, less.
0: My parents. Graduated college in seventy five. Oh yeah. So I'm, surely they remember something. <laughs> I mean, I can't. Right. I can't imagine them not hearing about it. Right.
1: Right. Well, there we go.
0: All right. Well, I'm gonna ask, and uh, I'll let you know. Okay.
1: <laughs> What's our next episode?
0: Let's see. Normally it would be a listener tell. I think, but
1: we were gonna try something new, weren't we? Yeah, we were. Okay. We got a surprise for you guys next week.
0: We're gonna try to have a surprise <laughs> we're
1: gonna have it it's fine we're gonna okay. do it okay all right we'll,
0: we'll gonna do it. it we'll do it all right i'm more the pessimist
1: of the group <laughs> <laughs> well it depends on what day it is probably That's true all right well friends cousins we love you love you we wish you would love us by leaving us a review true <laughs> or Some send stuff. us your listener tales true. or questions or comments Experiences that you had, mm-hmm. opinions. And maybe if
0: you don't have any, maybe you know someone. Oh, does.
1: yeah. Encourage them to. And you can email all those things mm-hmm. to curiouscousinsok at gmail.com. Yes. Follow us on social media on Facebook at Curious Cousins OK Podcast. Yay. You can follow us on Instagram at Curious Cousins OK. Guys, don't follow us on Twitter. We are cutting it. We goodbye, are, Twitter.
0: Yeah, we are See ya. saying goodbye. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. We haven't had any fruitful. Well, out. well I think I don't know fruitful, Twitter's
1: a dumpster fire right now. So <laughs> yeah. let's get out while we're ahead. Yeah.
0: So, uh, Twitter account will be deleted. So find not, us. You guys find don't us really on Instagram anyway, or Facebook. So, yeah,
1: we may have a surprise in the new year. In the a new social media. Platform we wish be on. Keeping oh a little hush hush right now.
0: Yeah, it'll. We're gonna experiment. I think. Yes. See how
1: it goes. Yes. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform: Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Google. I think that's all of them, actually. And just tell them what to keep it.
0: Keep it kooky and spooky.
1: Bye. Bye.